for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 336 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're here to wrap up the Book of Boba Fett. And we've got a final special guest. And finally, I can go to bed before 4 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. Uh, this week, we have my personal Star Wars therapist for the last six weeks. <laughs> You've heard him on the show. Plenty of times, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you've heard the show we shows we do together, Halls Calls and Star Wars Year by Podcast from the Steel Wars Podcast. It's our good buddy Steel Saunders. Hey everyone, how's um? I have been Halls' therapist. I've, I've I've talked him off the Star Wars ledge. Yep, he sure about has a, a multitude of subjects. Um, How did you not, do that? Just with just calm. And, and, and guidance and patience, compassion. And like <laughs> any good phone <laughs> therapist, sometimes he might have to be shopping at Ralph's while he talks me off that ledge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, the patrons have heard Steele and I talk a little bit about the finale, but we haven't gotten Will's thoughts on it. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more I would like to add, and I'm sure Steel has stuff to add. So why don't we just jump into it and go ahead and ask you, Will, buddy. Um, how do you feel about the finale as a whole? As a whole, I feel like the finale was everything that I needed from this show. I had a dose of... Mando and Boba just whipping ass. The body count was stacking up. I had all kinds of political machinations. You know, there was some high stakes and there was some losses. There was, you know, the whole team came together and did their part. I love that. There was basically a battle scene. And then, you know, we have the giant monster. Like, this is just everything that I needed. And I, this doesn't happen often. And I know, I mean, I've heard a lot of different things but other people, but I laughed out loud with enjoyment at two different spots. 
in in the show as I watched it. I was just psyched and I was in, enjoying every second of what I was watching. And uh, I was just I, I was super happy. I don't know how else to put it than just thrilled the whole time. Well, what were your two? I'm very curious to know what were your two. Me spots? too. Good question. Great interviewing technique. Go for uh, it. The one time I laughed out loud was when the Rancor showed up. Uh, when when Boba Fett showed up on the Rancor, I was just like, yeah, like it was just, <laughs> just like the fist in the air, like yes, it is time to bring the Rancor down on all these smart asses. Um, and then the other part was uh, when Grogu showed up, when Grogu showed up and popped out of the X-wing, I was just, just audibly pleased. I, I, I guess is what you could say. I, I, look, I think both of those moments are really good. Anytime that Grogu puppet is on screen, I'm pretty much delighted. What a good puppet. And I know they you know, did the CG version of him a few times in this episode. But also, can we just say, like, obviously I'm not being super serious when I say this. Ain't it kind of fucked up that Luke Skywalker was like, look, you can either choose this lightsaber or this fancy shirt. And the kid chose the shirt and he was like, well, Fuck you, kid. I'm sending you home in an Uber. <laughs> you know, I don't quite think that's what it was. I, he sent him home in his own personal private ride with his own droid. Yeah, he basically I mean, put him in a, in a Tesla and let it auto-drive him to Tatooine. You know, there's no need for Luke to be there. But you would think that my man would want to take him personally, right? Like, well, if I was like, oh, <laughs> this kid is entrusted to my care. I would like to personally take him home. It's it's passive aggressive. It is Jedi <laughs> Jedi level passive aggressiveness. It really that, is. That that is like the disgruntled stepdad or something. There's some <laughs> Yeah. And instead of taking you where you need to go, he'll buy you a bus ticket. <laughs> Send you home on the Greyhound. Yeah. Uh, the um for a practical reason, I can see how it makes sense because if you have Luke show up and thereby it's a high and by it's a high five well not just I mean, that like well if he do, if he shows up and does more than that then nothing is a threat to boba and the crew because luke skywalker is just going to show up and those fucking uh pikes are not going to know what hit him right like you're right and there's too many complications there as well you know like he would see Bo boba fett seeing luke luke seeing boba fett like just much more easy to forego all that. I mean, look, I am 100% down for Luke and Boba. It's, it is funny that in Mando season two and now in the book of Boba Fett, we've had episodes that feature Luke Skywalker and Boba is nowhere to be found. Nowhere around. Because <laughs> I do want to see that meeting. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I do mm -hmm. think that would be pretty funny. <clears throat> um, you know, I had a lot of fun with the finale too. And I got to see pretty much everything I wanted to see. I do still feel that the overall structure of this series is awfully weird, man. Like I, I, I just feel like, uh, for one, you have two giant episodes like in five and six, right? And so then, mm. kind of no matter what you do in the Boba Fett finale, it's not going to be, it's not going to feel as big as having, you know, Luke Skywalker showing up and building his Jedi temple and all that stuff. So, 
while I I enjoyed the finale and I loved the series as a whole, it just feels so sort of uneven. And I th- I say this as someone who watched the entire series front to back yesterday to sort of see how I feel about it as a a complete product, right? I I think the Luke stuff may just be more heavily weighted for you. Do you I know think, what I mean? Like it I th- may carry more weight than the Boba Fett stuff. I think the Luke stuff is more heavily weighted for everybody, buddy. Yeah. And I, I tell you the mm. other thing about it is that the Luke stuff, it was such a diversion. And in my opinion, like the payoff just it didn't matter to the end. Like I know it was like the final thing that Grogu was there and he calmed the rancor. But it just didn't seem like this marvelous act that was worth so so it sort of stands out because to me because also it didn't like it the, the results of it didn't click with me do you know what i mean but mm. I, I i i just think it it was um like there was so much good stuff in in the series but it's 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 like the delivery of it it was just off there was something I don't know if it should have been like a couple of different mini series or something, but it just, like, I know it's like a book, it's a book and a book's got chapters, but it, I don't know. I feel like they came up with that name when they were conceiving the idea of it, how we'll jump around, we'll call it the book of Boba Fett. And it sounds really cool, but to the end product, it, it's a little bit misleading. I, I do feel a little misled, you know, I, uh, when it I all think comes it's down to it, the choice to include Din Djarin at all, because that's really where the flight takes off. Because in order to include Din Djarin in the Boba Fett posse, you have to explain what's going on with Grogu. You know what's been up with him. You have to plan for the re. You know the reuniting. You didn't well, you, have no, you to do that. You, you don't have to show what to show Din. You don't have to show Grogu. So I True. agree. And they could have left the reuniting for the Grogu for the next season. I mean, that would have totally been fine with me too. Yeah. Like when he went to see Grogu, like I couldn't believe it was happening so fast. Like I was happy and I was loving it. But at the same time, I'm like, I can't believe he just went there. I, wasn't there a seasonal quest in this or something? Like, <laughs> and that was my perception because the emotional weight of, um, the season two finale, I don't know. It just seemed really weird that it was like, oh yeah, you can go visit him at summer camp. That's cool. It's all. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I just had a more. It was more of a mythic parting where it was like, they may never see each other again. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, if those were the rules for Din Djarin, he they didn't explain that to him. You know, they didn't say, you know, you might not see him again for so and so. If he thought it was cool for him to just roll up and bring him a gift, well. So I, I could see a scenario, right, where we do get the episode where Din goes and sees him, but, you know, just like in the show, chooses not to go up and see him, just leaves the armor with Ahsoka. And it's still having a lot of impact. And I say this as someone whose partner broke down during that scene where he decided not to go see Grogu. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you still could have done that and still stretched out the time between that and them reuniting and still sort of kept the impact of the end of season two of the Mandalorian and built up this anticipation of Grogu and Din 
linking back up because even last week I said the one of the things I didn't like about the whole choice thing that Luke gave Grogu is to me it was very apparent what choice he'd make like because Dan got the the Grogu seat in the back which doesn't seem very practical now that I've seen it in action <laughs> and um and you know the other thing about like well Grogu was not going to be part of Luke's Jedi Academy when the shit goes down. So, um, you know, and I, I say this as someone who was absolutely delighted anytime Grogu was on screen. Like I said, I see that damn puppet and it just immediately makes me smile. Um, so I can't, oh, the scene at the very end where he's asking to go fast. I was like, <laughs> what is he? what is he banging on the thing for? And he was like, no, no. And then he was like, oh, last time. I was like, oh, that is such a dad move. That is the quintessential <laughs> dad move. He's like, all right, but this is it. This is the last time I'm not doing it again. Yeah, I I looked at it far more cynically than you, Will. I, I was just like, you're closing on this? Like, the Like, it was like fun, but it was like, the easiest not it, i don't know it was just very like it was super cute but as far as like the finale of the series i was like oh that's not you're not filling me with like I, i'm less confident now everyone <laughs> really yeah it just wasn't it was just so it was like, yeah Overly just sweet, yeah it was it was just so giffy it was like you were ending on a gif. I do have... Yeah, like a meme. I do sort of have a question in general about... Not the even Boba Fett engine, like the series. But I do wonder like what the path forward is. Because, okay. At the end of um, Mandalorian Season 1, right? I was like, okay... So next season is going to be about Mando trying to re reunite Grogu with his people. And obviously Moff Gideon is going to um, be, you know, opposing him in that. And then at the end of season two, I was like, okay, so clearly the next season of Mandalorian is going to be sort of Mando dealing without the Darksaber and dealing without or dealing with being separated from Grogu, right? Yeah. At the end of season of the Book of Boba Fett, I don't really know. I mean, I have some ideas as far as Boba Fett is concerned, but, like, I don't know what the path forward is for Din. Like, if you're going to include Din in the series, why isn't there, like, a stronger hook for, like, oh, this is what you're going to be tuning in for season three, four, and the only thing I can figure is he's going to be trying to go to Mandalore and bathe in the rivers beneath the the mines or whatever, um, mm -hmm. which is not in itself like a, a a bad, like I don't find that uninteresting or anything. I just, like I feel like there was a sort of a clear path forward that you could sort of see, like even though there was a lot of surprises and twists along the way after the two seasons of Mandalorian. And then this one, we got like Boba and his homies hanging out and smiling and being happy, which that's fine. I'm cool with that. And then Din like pulling a fast and the furious with baby Yoda. Um, 
So I will be interested. I don't know what the hook is for Mando season three. You know what I reckon? If if I could change things around, I would have left like the the Din episode of the of Boba Fett is just insane. Um, and you sort of need it in the story for this idea. But I, I would have just bounced back the Luke Skywalker and Grogu stuff to maybe like an hour and a half special later in the year. Yeah, like in between and, series, yeah, like a Yeah, and, and then and then for the conclusion of Boba Fett, just come up with a different way to like Boba Fett, who's the adopted father of the Rancor, let him calm him down with like you know, some calm words and yeah. their are That's originally what I thought was going to happen. I thought Fett was going to show up and soothe his own <laughs> Rancor back into submission. Yeah. Dude, if, uh, Boba Fett can soothe the Rancor, let me tell you. Um, I know, he did it already. <laughs> uh, or, you know, you could have even had... a couple... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think you could have even had Danny Trejo show up again and help out with that, you know, since True. he's been the guy that's presumably been helping Boba learn how. Like, I think you could, like, I think with some just slight structure changes, my overall feeling of the series would be even higher than it is. And it's already pretty high. Like, I think you could have maybe split the Din stuff, right, into a couple of episodes and still cut back to Boba. Maybe even show him training, riding the man, the Mandalorian, the Rancor, or yeah, yeah. anything like that. And then have the stinger at the end of Bo- Book of Boba Fett be him saying, well, I've got to go see a little friend. And you're like, oh, he's going to go see Grogu in season three of The Mandalorian. Oh, wh- what What about him landing on the planet? Or Yeah, yeah, and R2's there. You know what I mean? Um, I think you could have done something like that. And, I, and not only would I not have felt sort of like denied some a couple of hours of Boba Fett stuff, but also you would have had like a I feel like a really strong teaser for the next season of Mandalorian. Um, but you know, even go deciding for, for him to go take the gift, you know, he could have changed his mind and just stayed, you know, and taken him the gift after all. The Boba Fett. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You could have you could have still done all the stuff with the armorer and the gift and all that stuff and just sort of left it on like a, you know, like a, that's the stinger at the end for Den's character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like steel said, you just shows up on the planet and then think about um, how fun, by the way, the next, you know, 10 months or whatever it is until Mando season three would be where we're talking like, Oh, is he actually going to see Grogu? Oh, are we going to see Luke again? You know what I mean? Like, I think that would have built up some, not that I'm not going to be anticipating Mando season three. I'm going to be like sick with anticipation when it's here. Um, Yeah. So weird hearing the criticism that we got too many answers. You know, we got too much. I don't know that we got too much. I feel like it raised some questions, you know? Um, Yeah. I feel like you you feel like you got too much, not Boba. Like, I feel like you, you wanted more Boba. Well, yeah, in, in Boba's show. Buddy, this is what I've been looking forward to. Like, one of, if not your favorite Star Wars characters, right, Will, is Obi-Wan. Right. 
right? Right. You know I love Obi-Wan. What if the Obi-Wan series came out and they're like at six episodes and only four of those have Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan in them? The other ones are like, you know, there's like an Ahsoka episode and or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think it would be a bummer. Um, especially considering like the weight and the, the sort of fan anticipation of you and coming back and playing Obi-Wan. Yeah. Right. Um, I guess I'm just bummed. I enjoyed it so much. I, uh, it's sad to hear, you know, it, it, it didn't hit it for you. I did. Buddy, I, I didn't say it didn't hit for me. I enjoy, I'm saying it overall, I love the series. I give the series as a whole, like an eight. And to me, that's pretty high. I was expecting, and this is my own fault, you know, my own uh, unrealistic expectations to come out being like, you guys, I've got a brand new all-time favorite Star Wars thing ever. They did a Boba show, and it was immaculate. And that's not, you know, fairly, that's not fair to the show and, and the writers and all that, like, that's about tempering my own expectations more than anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but well, just, just, I do think just because I'm ahead. disappointed and I, I, I feel it's fair to be disappointed that two episodes didn't feature Boba Fett. Doesn't mean I, I mean, didn't I like those that. episodes. I thought those episodes were really good. And I was talking about it with Steve while we were in new Orleans this weekend. It felt like a movie. It felt like a movie split into two episodes. This, and, and and like that's why I even think Steele's idea of like putting it out as a a special in between Boba Fett and Mandalorian season three as like a movie might have been pretty kick ass to be honest. Um, mm. But you mentioned it before the couple of different ways to go with Din. You didn't know where it goes after this, and I had was thinking about it while you were talking about it, like. You know, I feel like this next season may be either someone needing Din's help, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's uh, Infus, not Infus Nest. Uh, what am I talking about? Uh, the other Mandalorian chick. Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. Thank you. Bo-Katan Kreese. Uh, it could be Bo-Katan or somebody else might need her help uh, or his help. Or it can be a Din Djarin self-discovery kind of thing because that's coming. And that'll roll into... Um, the probably the purification in the minds beneath Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Like Din Djarin is going to have to find out exactly or decide exactly what kind of Mandalorian he is, what he's willing to do, what he stands for. You know, he he's he's on a about to be on a journey. I think to to find himself, and in that process, I think he's got to set up a home and a home base and a, a training slash school for uh, Grogu if they're going to stay together. So I don't know if that's all going to take place on Mandalore or somewhere else, but uh, I feel like that all that all rolls together. I you know, definitely feel like Mandalore, like the planet itself, is going to be a big component of the next season. What about if you went back to the the fishing planet and hung out there with Grogu for a bit? The nice lady that offered them a home. Yeah, you know, yeah. A place to stay? yeah, yeah. That might be absolutely. what they do. Um, cause it definitely seemed like they set up for that character to be more than just a one episode appearance. It did seem that way. Um, so to talk about the actual finale, sort of like, you know, not necessarily in incredible detail scene by scene, but you know, it sort of starts off 
they're surveying the damage to sanctuary. Boba's being like, oh man, I hope Din shows up with backup because even with all our skills, we're not going to be able to pull this off. And, uh, Din shows up and he's like, Hey man, I got you covered. Um, one of my favorite things about this whole scene was Boba basically being like, like they were saying, Hey man, they said they'd help for free, but they want the spice trade completely gone from Tatooine. And Boba is immediately like, okay, I'll do that. Um, I like that scene a lot. I like the whole idea of Boba being like, hey, man, I know this was Jabba's main source of income, um, but it's kind of fucking over the town, the planet, so yeah. let's just get rid of it completely. I'm fine with that. Um, was there anything for you, Steel Buddy, that stuck out in that sort of part of the finale? Um, I just, I, I like, with... Is that the bit where they... No, no, I'm getting mixed up with another scene in the um, sanctuary that's later on with just Boba. And Din, yeah, that's later. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, nothing really about it. It's sort of just like setting up the the stakes and Mm -hmm. where everyone's going to be at and setting the scene for the the final uh, showdown. Yeah, and I, I do like that, like, Boba's like, okay, we should pack it up and go to the palace. And like the kids that are with him are like, no, we should, we shouldn't run away from the town. We should show that we're here to protect the town, not just ourselves or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love that. Yeah, I do too. And I it like makes go for oh, it. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no I was no. just saying it re-solidifies him as a man of the people. Like he constantly is reaffirming that. Yeah. <laughs> and I like you know, um, they're like, all right, well, while we wait on the people from Freetown, let's let's set up at all these different parts of the city. But by the way, might I add, fuck the Aqualicious, fuck the Trandoshans and fuck the Uh Clatoonians backstabbing Mm -hmm. bastards, throwing those fucking poor Gamorrean guards off that cliff. No, thank you, man. No, thank you. Um, that was sad. I gotta say like, you know, we got a little bit of Cad Bane in last episode. But we really got a lot more of him in this one. And I think they fucking killed live action mm-hmm. Cat Bane. Because um, that's something that could have gone off the rails real easily. Yep. Are you glad? No, I'm saying I think they killed it. Like they nailed live ac- the live action version of Cat Bane. Yeah, I, I was like quite shocked that he went. But I kind of... Um... Like I kind of like it. I mean, <coughs> and I, and I, and I just I just hope he just stays dead. I can't. No, no more watering down of um, of this sort of stuff, please. I okay. So I know it's jumping ahead a little bit, but <laughs> I was about to say I am um, to this point. I'm convinced that Cad Bane isn't dead, and I'm not saying it's the right story choice. I'm not saying that it's, you know, I prefer that outcome. I'm just saying that beeping is there for a reason, man. You don't put that beeping. Like, like he gets stabbed. We hear him, like, exhale his quote-unquote last breath. And then afterwards, the suit starts beeping. I don't know. I think that's a hint. Um, and you know me with weird sound effect, effect hints and Star Wars. 
I'm just saying, I, not saying it's the way I think they should go, but I don't believe he's dead. Um, I really enjoy the reference to their history. That wasn't necessary, but it was immersive and re- reference to like Clone Wars prequel I, era stuff. Buddy, both scenes of Boba and Cad Bane facing each other down. I thought were really good. Like there's the, yeah. there's this scene um where he's like he tells Boba that it was the Pikes that killed the Tuscans and it cuts yeah. to this shot of Boba and it's Tim it's Timor Morrison in the helmet but the way it's shot you can tell what the reaction is. It's weird, right? Like Yeah. It's a physical reaction. It's almost how like in the original trilogy, they would light Darth Vader in different ways to sort of convey different emotions, even though it was in a static helmet and faceplate right. and stuff. Um, but I love the scenes with Boba and Cad Bane. Like, um, and I like that Boba didn't engage with him at first. Right. Um, wanted to, but was convinced not to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I wish they'd just maybe just spread him out a little bit more. No, so I, I, like, I, like just like drizzled a bit of um, Cobb Vanth and and Cad Bane, like that little storyline. Let that sort of drizzle over a few more episodes, because like in in retrospect, that Filoni episode, it, it's like. There's so many appearance, like it's so all jam packed like into you, one if hour. If you had a graph of like characters appearing, it would just be this seismic shift in mm-hmm. the in the bar, You're going crazy. So you know, as a series overall, I don't necessarily think the Pikes are the strongest villain. Like clearly, they're villainous and they do some fucked up stuff, and I don't like them. So it was successful in that regard. But I do feel like if you had Cad Bane in earlier to be sort of the, you know, quote unquote, main villain working for the Pikes. The enforcer. Yeah, that that would have raised the stakes. So much better a villain. Like, it's so scary. Yeah, exactly. And and I found it really baffling that they didn't just make Cad Bane be the one. Like, I don't get why, like, he was taunting them. Like like he like he was taunting Boba that they killed them, but wouldn't it have been better if he killed them? Like, don't you reckon or not? Uh, so, if Cad, I think ben- he was go for trying it. to make him emotional. Yeah, I think like, that I, was. Yeah, I know, but, but, was... but like for the overall story, wouldn't it have been more impactful if if it turned out that Cad Bane had done it for the Pikes? Probably. I think it would be impactful, but I think he knows that the most like the more likely of scenarios is that the pikes would have got the biker gang to do it instead of because it would you know instead of well, i don't know i guess you could have left uh his calling card cad bane's calling card instead of the well i think you could have done a similar structure to what we had in the show but it would have just I, been the big reveal yeah. like in like their cad, first standoff cad, like cad bane would have revealed that he was the one that set the bikers up yeah for, and for that would work but I don't think that's Cad Bane's style at all. Like, he, he you know, if he's going to kill you, he'll be his face and you'll know it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but he did kill them all. <laughs> or, or someone did. He would have, in my opinion. He would have. True. That would be true. I, uh, and so, you know, after that, we get the other sanctuary scene that we were sort of talking about earlier that's just Den and Boba. And it is one of my favorite scenes in the whole series and in the episode. It. 
Like, that took the cake for me. Just these two badasses of Mandalorian armor, broing it up. Like I Talk love about how they're gonna go down to the end. Yeah. Okay, when they get to the end, they're like, all right, you know, it's gonna be this way, is it gonna be this way? He's like, Oh, I guess you're gonna be leaving. It's like, no, nah, we're fighting this one to the death. So I like, all right, go out. <laughs> yeah, go out, guns blazing. I love that Boba's like, you should probably leave. And Den's like, nah, man. Like, I just um I really like that moment. I thought both Timor Morrison and Pedro Pascal did a really good job with those moments. Um I so you know after what the first couple of episodes I despised the mayor's major domo guy the Twi'lek. Oh my god, get out of my head. That's what I was about to say. But boy did he grow on me specifically Absolutely. because of this episode. Oh, yeah, you do no wrong. Like when he when when he's like trying to get them to negotiate um terms of surrender and boba fakes it out and so he goes out there and does the whole big speech and starts reading that's it. so good <laughs> uh, he does a good job you know he, mm -hmm. thinking he's delivering terms and then having to read that out loud what about when the guy calls him like i don't know head tails or whatever tail yeah, head worm head tail head and he goes Oh, very satirical, and it, it delights me to no end every time I like you know. Yeah. Like it's, just, <laughs> it's so good. It is so good, and then like I like the budding of the relationship between him and the female mechanic character. Uh, I like Pally, that a lot. You know what's crazy? Yeah. I I saw somebody share a clip on Twitter of those two actress uh, actors working together before. Like they've worked oh, together wow. and stuff in her show. But can I tell you how much I love Boba being like? Um, this is what I'm willing to give you. Nothing. You should leave this planet. And if you don't, your bodies will fertilize the fields of Tatooine. It gave me big Jay and Silent Bob strike back energy when he's like, <laughs> you are the ones who are the ball lickers. <laughs> I loved it, dude. I love Boba talking shit like that. And then mm -hmm. for them to come flying out on the jet in the jetpacks and start whipping ass and like how they keep taking shots and keep going man what a scene mm -hmm. um i remember steel when season two of the mandalorian started with the cobb vanth and boba fett episode or yeah cobb vanth and mando episode you were like it was like watching a dark horse comic yeah that scene gave me Dark Horse comic vibes for sure. Yeah, I reckon that that Mando episode had better jetpacking, but the scene when they were sort of like back to back, mm -hmm. you know, it was quite sort of Avengers as it panned around. Like that that was that was pretty sick. And there was one where they both shot the one dude in the head. Yep, that was um, that was pretty stellar. It was. <clears throat> and man, do you want to know one of the most upsetting scenes? in Star Wars so far for me was Black Chrysanthemum getting overrun by the Trandoshans. Brutal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is one thing about this episode. It just seemed a bit overly brutal especially, a couple of times. Especially towards Chrysanthemum and the Rancor. The Rancor. Yeah. Like, um, it was sort of like, you know, they're... they're, they're you know, they're creatures or whatever, but they're ones that we've grown. They're initially scary, but we've grown attached to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just the, like, the, the, the things going into their skin and piercing them. It's just sort of like, 
yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, like I know some people get off on that, but it, when it's like to a beloved creature, it's sort of just like, yeah, it's like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd have an easier time if it was Din. Yeah, well, I mean, we did see Din and Boba take some shots, but they got that fucking armor, man. So, except for Boba, he gets shot in the arm, I guess. Um, oh, and Din, Din took one straight on and was not getting up you yeah. know, before Little One took over. Um, and then, so what? Ha- so the Freetown guys show up with their uh, A New Hope callback speeder, the speeder that's in the background of the Lars um, uh, yeah. garage. <laughs> um, and then the big robots show up, which, once again, I didn't realize until somebody posted it on Twitter, I guess is a unused concept from attack of the clones oh which was pretty cool uh it is pretty disappointing that you didn't instantly know that horse yeah you've let it you've let us all down my bad uh (laughs) the minute those things showed up i was like oh so this is what the rancor is gonna fight these things are here for the rancor to fight i did not think about the rancor I i should have but uh I, I'm the dumbass that was surprised when he showed up when he did. I was like, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. About oh. fucking time. Where the fuck is Boba Fett this whole time? Where is he? Like, That's oh, so yeah, funny. fucking Rancor. Please watch it so differently, Will. Like, know. yeah, when he goes, I'm off, I'm like, it's going to go ride a Rancor. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will say um, something that was disappointing to me about the finale was sort of the absence of fennec shand for the big battle like we got to see her i mean we really got to see her fulfill her role as an assassin at the end of the episode she dispensed supreme justice but you know it also you know she's there at the beginning and then she's like all right i'm gonna go to moss Eisley, and we don't see her for a really long stretch um and i like that character until she saves the mods right right there is the scene of her saving the couple of mods that are still kicking around that survived Manners. the ambush. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they're running from the big robot. Uh, Pelly shows up uh, with the, uh, with Grogu and there's the whole reuniting thing. Um, Boba sure did have, a, or not Boba, Din sure did have a lot of time to check out to see if he was wearing that shirt. <laughs> While they're yeah, getting chased right? by the giant robot, they made some. They made up some time before that rancor caught up. Um, and uh, I love that Pelly had that was a Jawa blaster, right? That she uses. I thought so. Yeah. I think oh, really? I yeah. Didn't pick that up. Maybe she got that from her old boyfriend. I guess. I was about to say <laughs> she just didn't give that back. Yeah. Um. And then Boba shows up on the rancor. And it was pretty like I look, I still think that the series as a whole, from a directing standpoint, the three weakest directed episodes, not talking story or performances or whatever, just general direction were the Robert Rodriguez episodes. I think this one is by far his best. Um but even still there was a little bit of like oddness with some of the editing and directing choices. Like when 
the Rancor showed up and his head crests the wall and then it pans up even further and you see Bobon is back. I thought that shot was really cool. I thought anytime you saw the Rancor from afar with Bobon is back, it looked pretty cool. But when they would cut from the Rancor, like the CG Rancor to the practical Rancor with Boba on his, his back, I thought that was pretty awkward and maybe not done as well as some of the other stuff. The only thing that really felt awkward for me that I really remember was there was an explosion i think of the last giant robot and then he like there's an explosion and they're kind of running away from it and dinjarin grabs grogu in the process no no that's when they blow up pelly's bike right like that's right that's right and it sends them all flying and din i like the concept is really fucking cool him popping the jetpack for a second so he can grab Grogu and then do the spin so he protects him in the fall like I love the cons and it works it doesn't there's just something about the visual presentation for half a second that my brain is like hey oh okay exactly exactly like I said love the concept loved you know that that's what happened execution didn't quite land with me but that is the smallest of nitpick you know what I mean like right And that is the only thing that fell off to me. Like, I know you had the other instance, but I I, I mean, I know I agree with what you're saying about this being his strongest episode. I I really like the pacing. The pacing is good. Like, you keep going at a clip. It slows down and picks up in the right spots. Um, I don't ever feel lost in the story. I like how the tactical discussion of what they're going to do. I like that. You know, you never really feel lost. You know where everybody is and what they're doing. You know, they kind of explain the rundown there for a minute. Uh, I don't know. Like, it, it, it worked kind of on a, I don't know, a final boss fight kind of level. Almost like a, it, a it, horde mode from Gears of War or something, right? Yeah, but and they approached it with like a tactical strategic plan. I like that. I liked that a lot, you know, and, and the way that was presented felt well done to me, at, at least. I like um, I like the lady from Freetown and Drash, I believe her name is, sort of working together. Jin Erso's daughter? Are you it, talking about her? Wait, is... Is that really the... No, that's not Felicity Jones's daughter, right? <laughs> no, no. Let's say she got blown up on Steel. Steel, you know I can't... I, I know it's not the character's daughter. I know that. Uh, Steel, I'm too dumb for kind of jokes like that, man. I'll believe that. I'd be telling people that. Be going to dinner and being like, did you know that the actress that played the mod girl and is in that show Yellow Jackets is Felicity Jones's daughter? Wow. You're easy to hoodwink, ain't you, horse? I sure am. I sure am. <laughs> uh, nothing new there. What'd you guys feel about, like, okay, so it bums me out that the Rancor got so beat up in the fights, but besides that, ah, he's made to take it. What'd the gladiator. You, what'd you think, like, I thought the execution otherwise of the Rancor fighting the giant robots like felt like I don't know Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla, and I really dug that part. Like I like mm-hmm. the Rancor beating the crap out of these robots. Yeah, like, I, I thought it was pretty good, but it it's just a bit late. The whole battle was just a bit labored. I felt like they could have like used all those shots and just made the cuts a lot quicker. Um, 
Yeah, I just felt like sometimes it was sort of, I don't know, just a bit laborious with the the rancor, like running off and then coming back, and 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 just some of the battle shots just seemed like if it was just trimmed up, and I could have like, I don't know, I just, I, yeah, I don't know, I I thought the rancor could have been done a lot more triumphantly. Like, you know, the, the, like a, a bit more like, you know, like when IG-11 was going through the town shooting everyone on the speeder bike and it was just a real, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had those feelings with the Rancor beating up those robots. A little bit, but I don't know. Just that they sort of went for the, the King Kong, like, homage and it's sort of, I don't know. It was just sort of a little, I don't know. The King Kong thing just felt like, so like such a cliche was, reference like, i was about to say it was for me it was unnecessary but appreciated like i appreciate it like but it yeah. wasn't necessary i'll say yeah, this I, I guess like halfway through it i just it, it's when i began like the first half i was like super into it and then as it sort of the the, the show kept going i was sort of i don't know it just wasn't giving me the the end of season th- like like feeling that I I was sort of hoping for, I guess. I'll tell you, the fight came off to me. Like I agree with you, laborious, but I enjoyed that because it was really it was like a stadium event. Like watching monster trucks or you know wrestling <laughs> or something. You're like, come on, come on, you can do it. Come on, come on, just slam him, pick him up, throw him, you know, rip his <laughs> arm off. You know that whole time. And I know it's a younger rancor, and it's just for me, it's building. It is laborious and it is drawn out, but I, I like that. To me, it builds the tension for the the final payoff. And I like that you kind of see a little bit of a learning curve. It takes the Rancor longer to beat the first one than the second one. And with the second one, he throws him into the building and then you know goes in on him when he pops up again. Yeah, uh, like, like, I like not, seeing that. Well, not not so much that that there. Uh oh, Steel just cut out on us. Mm-hmm. Um. One second. So what were you saying, Steele? It wasn't that you necessarily didn't like the building of the tension and all that. Um, oh, it was sort of, um, it wasn't so much like the rancor part of it, but just the whole, like the whole skirmish. I don't know. It was really weird. Like they all had to get to the Oasis, but then getting there sort of did nothing for them. I, it was just, I just thought all that bit was just, I don't know. It, it was kind of like a lot of running around and I, I wasn't really clear on what anyone's ambition was. <clears throat> it reminded but... me of a D&D encounter. <laughs> like everybody trying to do their own part and it just kind of going tits up at everybody's location. Yeah, I felt like I was at like a really good paintball park. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. Another of my absolute favorite moments, not just of this episode, but of the series, is the Rancor grabbing one of the pikes and then holding it up for Boba to shoot. Oh, and then after he shoots him, the Rancor just throws the dude and then picks up another dude and eats him. I was fucking delighted. Let me tell you. Um, I, I just on other cruel violence. Um, when BK like threw. I think it was one of the Bosks in the air then shot him mm-hmm. while he was in the air. Like, that was just... So sick. Just such... 
unnecessary violence. Um, and let me tell you, if I was Boba Fett and I went and got my Rancor and he came and fucking saved the day and then all my, and, and look, now I get knocked off and I got a face off with Cad Bane and then all my homies start shooting my Rancor, we're having words later. I'm not just tossing you yeah. a Melarone fruit and being like, hey, good, good job, well, guys. We're having a staff meeting. stopped everybody and then tangled with him and burned his esophagus with fire. Yeah, yeah I think when the, the Rancor went off and was getting fired at, and then that, that was when the episode I was sort of just like, what? I don't want to feel this. I Like... I don't know. I, I was sort of, I, I kind of think the Rancor running awry was like an extra level that maybe it, it should have just been Boba comes through in the Rancor and, and saves the day. It was like, the I, only reason you brought Grogu back. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like, I, I, like I feel like, Boba riding the Rancor through town and cleaning it up and slapping everyone and getting those droids. I don't know. I, I feel like that should be like, yay, good music. Mm. Like, like I felt like that should have been like the apex of the episode. <clears throat> well, yeah, the, but then do you, how do you have the show? Because you got to knock him off to fight Cad Bane, right? Or have him... I guess you could have him willingly get off to have like an honorable do duel with this dude. You know, I guess that is an option. Um, yeah, like like he could. I don't know. He could scare him off with the fire. Yeah, but then, like the whole subplot of them then fighting the rancor, I was just like, no, too much. I, look, I didn't like his homies shooting at his rancor either. Like I said, there'd be a staff mating at Jabba's palace. Or Boba's and then, palace. Yeah, and then Din went and... It was just... I don't know. I just sort of like that step of it was just a bit... I, I just thought it should have been more of a victory that... Like he rode it in, but then it didn't like in the end save the day. And and I feel like like when you ride a Rancor, you want it to save the day. I thought it saved the day. Beat I did the too. Shit out of both those robots that were undefeatable otherwise. I mean, yeah, didn't but, help, but he wouldn't have been able to do it without the Rancor. But then the Rancor became the next problem. Like, yeah. So, I mean, um, when you set free a wild animal as part of your battle strategy, wild animal containment has to be the other end of that. <laughs> I do like. Uh, should, look. Will, Will used to be the chef at Jurassic Park. <laughs> I do like. Like, that being said, I do like Grogu calming the Rancor and then going mm -hmm. up and petting it and. Mm -hmm. curling up Sleeping with it, with it cuddling like up with look it. man i'm sorry maybe it like makes me lame i love that it reminded me of my cat walter how he used to interact with our dog dharma who was you know quite a bit bigger than him and he didn't give a fuck he would get all in her face and rub in her face he would try to curl up and lay with her and stuff so i uh i really like that i really like little grogu being I like yeah. Take a nap I, with the Rancor. I, I loved it if it was in episode four. It, it, I, I don't season finale love it. I gotcha. I gotcha. Because it, it's also like a, a bit of a like a reworking of previous Grogu um, sort of force uses and stuff. But I think um, that's going to be his bread and butter. 
Yeah, I and, think he may not have a, you know, a bunch of other force powers, but quite clearly, you know, healing and communing with animals uh, and lifting. Yeah, stuff. but it's not that. It's more the writers like, like we're going to go lean on this power. Like this is going to be the conclusion of the series. Is yeah. true. Um, I mean, like I said he that scene is the only reason he came back because if you think about it if he didn't if he wasn't the one to calm the rancor there was literally no other reason for him hey, to show up hey you're speaking my language will <laughs> speaking my language it's, it's, um, it's, these are only logic-based criticisms um i do really like the second showdown with C cad bane and boba and like, oh, oh yeah, I didn't put it together when I saw it. Like I noticed when he showed up with the Rancor that he had his gaffy stick again, but did not put it together that that would be the thing he beat Cad Bane with. And, you know, last week I was 100% convinced Boba's going to die. They're going to give Cobb Vant his armor. Oh. And so that scene where I wasn't going to bring that up again, but God, like, there's a, there's a few text messages in that one. <laughs> so that scene where uh, Cad Bane knocks Boba's helmet off, I was like, oh my, oh my God, they're going to do it. Oh my God, they're going to do it. But to have him turn it around on him and use the gaffy stick to finish him off, I thought was pretty fucking sweet. Poetic, pretty sweet. poetically heroic. Yeah, yeah. so dope. Yeah. So, Will, he's he's like texting me about oh they they keep talking about Cobb. He hasn't got this the 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 armor. I think they're going to give him the armor. And I'm like, dude, they're yeah. setting up that he's in a lot of danger when he gets shot by a rifle. Like he just got shot. Like they were setting up his fall, not Boba's death. Yeah, I don't know, buddy. You might be <laughs> right, but I don't know. I'm nervous. <laughs> Feel it my bones. Uh, Feel it my bones. Uh, Feel it my bones. I'm telling bones you. going down. I'm telling you, I still don't necessarily think it's off the table, given the uh, the after credit sequence and the fact that I think God... No, uh, because he's going to be, like, up, up-powered now because he's going to be modded out. He doesn't need the army. He's going to have his own vibe. I mean, I get, you know... I could also no, see that. No, that's the logic. That's the step. <laughs> Stop worrying. Hey, man. Sleep well at night. <laughs> you know what they need to do? They need to strip uh, old, what's his face, the bounty hunter. They need to strip Cad Bane of what seemed to be his Mandalorian gauntlets and give them to Grogu. They sure did kind of seem to be Mandalorian gauntlets, didn't they? I mean, they, they even don't had have the to be, but they damn sure seemed like them. Yeah, they even had the flamethrower and stuff. I kind of like that, like, if you're a bounty hunter, it was like, oh, yeah, you get a flamethrower. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Hook it on your wrist. Tells you, tells you the time. It's flame <laughs> time. That's what it is. Um, I really do like the knee, the knee rockets. Oh, that was sick. sick. Yeah. Love a good knee, knee rocket to the head. Knee mm -hmm. rockets. I love that Boba used the rocket on his jetpack with the rangefinder. Um, not as successful as when he took out two ships in Mandalorian season two, but it was still cool. Cause like, of mm. course, like, yeah, if you're getting faced down by these three giant mecha Godzillas, you're gonna, you're gonna try the big missile on your back, I would imagine. And so then we get to, you know, essentially the end and Boba and Fennec are going through the town and, um, he mentions, oh, I can't even forget. I for, totally forgot some. I love that Boba calls uh, Chrysanthemum Santo. I love that so much that he's got a 
fucking nickname for his Wookiee buddy? I was desperately trying to remember what it was because I did think it was really cool like yourself. And it's a lot easier to say. It sure is. So what, Santo. <laughs> Santo. Let's get on Santo board. That's um I feel where where were where was that nickname six weeks ago, huh? I do and I also like that when he shows up, he's like, Oh buddy, you've earned yourself a nice long soak in the back of yeah, the tank like, when this is all ah, done. Santo. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just like Dude, the way he comes back dragging the Trandoshan, like, that is awesome. That's perfect comedy. You know, perfect comic relief. Um, and Boba says, which I feel like is a line that directly sets him up to show up, you know, in Mandalorian Season 3 when he tells Finnick, like, you know, um, I'm we're not cut out for this job or whatever. And she's like, if not us, who? I think that's setting up that Cobb, he's going to leave Cobb Vanth in charge of Moss Espa so he can go. Presumably, even he and Fennec can go join in on the adventure in Mandalorian Season 3. Um, you don't think he'll leave Fennec in charge? I See, I think that's part of the reason you leave Cobb, you, you leave Cobb alive. And you sort I was of, say, now that you say that, that, it makes more sense. And it makes more sense. They establish like that Boba... Even though Boba and Cobb presumably haven't met yet because Cobb's in the back to tank, but you establish that Boba sort of like agrees with Cobb's idea of how the planet should be run or and stuff like that with wanting to get rid of the spice trade and stuff. Right. I, I do think that's what it's setting up for is like for some reason, you know, Dan is going to need Boba's help and he's going to be like, you know what? this shit might be better off in Cobb Vance's hands anyway. Um, not even that, but what if they come across Beskar and they make him maybe not a set of Mandalorian armor, but well, I don't know. The foundress is the only one we know that can make armor. I don't know. It would be cool to get that man some armor. It doesn't have to be Beskar, look, but it would be a nice gesture for those guys to like hook Cobb Vance up with like a breastplate or a helmet or something. So, uh, one thing I do think we'll see next season will, um, is I think we will see a lot more Mandalorians. I think they're going to introduce more actual Mandalorians, especially if there's some sort of battle to retake Mandalore, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and if that's the case, you know, there's a good chance that they'll come across someone that will be able to forge some Beskar if need be. Um, and, not just that the armorer will be showing back up <laughs> it will be neat to see uh more mandalorians because you know i haven't seen a bunch since you know clone Ahsoka's wars last stuff. episode of clone wars i believe yeah with darth maul the battle of mandalore <laughs> yeah uh i i really want to i'm scared about what kind of shape uh mandalore is going to be in oh it's going to be bad it's going to be glassed like Reach from Halo, it seems like, from that yeah, flashback we saw. that's the way saw. they made it seem, right? How many years ago was that Night of a Thousand Tears? Uh, so I believe that, I don't know exact an exact time, but it's post-Rebels, I believe. So like probably somewhere in the range of like the original trilogy timeline, I think. Oh, really? I couldn't rem- For some reason, my brain is trying to remember something about it right after the empire seizes power like 
So maybe I'm wrong, but I got the impression from when the armorer is telling Din about, like when he's talk, she's talking about Bo-Katan as a cautionary tale, and like she got the dark saber, but she didn't win it in combat. And then the night of, I thought she was saying it was post Bo-Katan getting the dark saber that the night of a thousand tears happened. Okay, I could be wrong about that. Um, in either way, I, I just don't, don't know. I'm trying to remember when, when it was being explained because I, th- I just thought they said, you know, after the Empire solidified its power, it moved to, you know, stomp out any potential aggressor. But that may just be in my head. I don't know. Because I need to watch <laughs> that episode again, I guess. So, you know, overall, despite <clears throat> some criticisms about the structure of the show and you know, how I do feel a bit misled. I'm ultimately very happy to have gotten this show. I got to see Boba Fett. They showed me a version of Boba Fett I honestly could have never imagined. Like, I always... The big worry for me, even, like, as much as I wanted something with Boba Fett, was that they would go the quote-unquote Broba Fett route and just make him the terminator <laughs> in fucking mandalorian armor you know what i mean <laughs> one quips and de- body counts yeah what, what's, like um what's his name deadpool yeah yeah, yeah it, you know that's that was always kind of the worry because honestly that's kind of what boba was in a lot of the eu stuff so the fact that they you know gave me a version of boba that i didn't imagine before but i also really like um, you know, that means a whole lot to me and I really enjoy that. The fact that they brought Tamora Morrison back, you know, to be Boba, they could have recast or they could have just had him do the voice and not take the helmet off. You know, there's a lot of other ways they could have approached the character of Boba Fett. And from day one, I have been all about them. I was like, bring Tamora back. If you're going to do Boba Fett... Post um, uh, Return of the Jedi, I wanted to be Tamora Morrison, so I was really happy with that. And like I said, you know, overall, I give it like an eight, which is really high. I feel like, um, so that's kind of my overall overall feelings. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, are there some changes overall that I would have preferred? Of course, but also kind of feel like that's gonna be any star wars thing i watch from now until the end of time so. yeah it, it's weird because i i it gave me such highs like there was just some really really good episodes and like the whole thing i enjoyed despite its odd packaging but like the final the way they concluded it and then also resetting grogu with din that like that grand overarching thing kind of puts a dampening on the episodes that I like really loved. And I loved pretty much the whole thing until, you know, I found it a little bit odd, but apart from the branding and stuff, everything I watched up until the last, you know, 10 minutes was, was pretty good. And I just didn't think the unraveling of Grogu being separated with, um, from Din, I, I just don't think the payoff was like lived up to the emotion of episode um, 
16 of the Mandalorian. So like, I like the show, Mm -hmm. but it's overall what it did to that, where the puzzle pieces were for the Mandalorian. I, I, I I have less confidence in the, the grand plan, which I feel like the grand plan ended at chapter 16. I'm like, it's like, it's like if you put, you separate Din from Yoda, baby Yoda Grogu and put him with Luke Skywalker. Oh, what's going to happen then? Oh, nothing. They're just going to go back. Like it it just like that. Well, that didn't take, did it? (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just like they, he came home halfway through summer camp and, and just got dropped off. So, um, so, so it's weird because I like the show. I thought the last ten, like the directing in this in 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 the Robert Rodriguez ones was, you know, not up to like Bryce Dallas Howard in my opinion, um, and a few of the other directors. But it was more so in the in in the season finale. I, I felt like it was a bit inflate, like it could have been just fine tuned a little bit more to get a bit of the fan filmness out of some of the skirmish scenes. But um, yeah, just the last ten minutes, and then, and then what it means to the overarching story sort of ruins, um, or not ruins, because I, I still <laughs> like it, but it dampens like the six and a half episodes that I was um, Boba Fett in a long <laughs> Man, I like I said, I do think it's a a bit of a mistake to reunite them so early because I don't know, like I don't know how you see. Mando, the end of Mandalorian season two and not think that they do reunite eventually, but I expected oh, yeah, it to eventually. be way longer. And then when it did happen being like, Oh, now's the, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think the payoff of them getting back together would have been a lot stronger if there had been some distance put in between it. Well, just um, the, yeah, the, the pacing of it, like you're, you're watching something that you thought would happen at the conclusion of the next season half a season before that season's even started. Yes. Like, it is quite, you know... I, I just feel like for how big a moment it was to then, like, the meet-up in the middle of an Indiana Jones opening chase scene was sort of like, no, let me... Cr-. Like, hey, all right, pause. Yes, sir. I'm going to seal the deal for you, buddy. Okay. I have got a Horse Burker tailored reference. Uh oh. All right, so it's 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 somewhere. I I think I don't know what season are lost. It's maybe season five. I'm not sure. How many seasons are lost were there? Six. Six. Okay, maybe it was four or five. The others are chasing, right? Mm-hmm. And they're in the. They've got in the the buggy. Oh, the, the VW. The VW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're driving in that. And the others are chasing them, right? And it's like it's like Jack, um, maybe like Sawyer, um, Bernard, and Hurley, right? And they drive past, and there's some other islanders there, and it's um it's um it's Rose mm-hmm. and Kate. And that's where Bernard and Rose have their meeting, uh, instead of like, instead of the tearful. Right um, when they re- actually got reunited. 
which you could like as it was about to happen you were just like oh my god oh yep. my god oh yep. my god and then it shows them and then it's like yeah i give me give me a bit of rose and bernard time to just to have just to quietly weep <laughs> at you know, at, at 12:50 on a um, Wednesday morning, I uh, I love a good uh, lost analogy. You know that. What about you, Will? What do you think um, overall? Like feelings overall of the series now that it's complete. Your mic is muted. There we go. I had quite the cough earlier. Um, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. You know, I probably enjoyed it more than everyone else like i just really loved it i love seeing boba fett i love seeing the continuation of the mandalorian story i just love all of it i love seeing more tatooine i love seeing Cobb vanth uh, the last thing i'll say probably to sum it all up instead of calling it the book of boba fett you probably could have called it a book with boba fett a book with boba fett i wouldn't a Mandalorian say a book with some boba fett i wouldn't say that you loved it more than everybody i you know i just once again will if they made this this halo show that's coming out and you're like fuck yes they're finally doing a halo show i'm gonna get to see master chief and master chief is completely absent for two episodes? episodes, yeah, I kind of feel like that's gonna happen. Uh, I don't know why. I kind of feel. I, I want a supercut of every time Hawes has given this example to someone. I know. Like, I, I, buddy, I, like eventually, I think I gotta go see a real therapist. You're, you're watching Succession, and there's two episodes <laughs> without Logan Roy. Are you telling me? Like, hey, let's do some voicemails and some emails, and then we'll call it a night. Let me get on to that.
All right. Hey, if you want to send in a voicemail or an email, blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. And we've got a bunch of them, so we'll do as many as we can. Any that we don't get to, we'll catch up with you guys next week. First up, King Tom Chansky. Uh, what? Hey there, Hawes and Will and Steele. I'm just going to say this question, you know, I'd, I'd like to know how Steele and Will feel about this, but this question is pretty much for Hawes because it's a question next. about Boba Fett. Um, now, you know, I, I know Hawes is one of the OG Boba fans going way back. Uh, in, I, I, you know, I always liked the character growing up, but I felt in Legends, it, it was just he was all over the place. Um, there was no consistent writing, and a lot of it was just very uh, wish fulfillment based on, you know, the ideas and feelings of whoever was writing him at the time. Um, and I think, you know, there are a number of characters, I think, obviously, I think the new canon, ever since it's been reset, you know, what is it now, eight years ago, uh, is better, and it's, it's helped make a number of characters better. Um, but, you know, the new, the new Boba that we have since everything was reset back in 2014 uh, is much different than the old Boba. And now that the show is over, you know, we have Boba was in a few books, he's been in comics, uh, and he's been in two TV series, in addition to his, his appearances in, in the movies and in the Clone Wars. And I just want to, you know, and you might, might have already talked about this, but now that, you know, the Book of Boba, at least the first chapter of, is done, um, Hawes, what do you think, and, and Steel and Will, uh, but what do you think of, of the new Boba compared to the old Boba, you know, as a, as a character? Personally, like I said, like him a lot better. I feel like there's a lot more development, a lot more growth. Um, and th- there are things beyond, oh, yeah, he's, he's really good at what he does, and, yeah, he looks cool. There's nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with being a great bounty hunter, nothing wrong with looking cool. But it feels like there, there's so much more there to him and to his character that it, it, him being better makes Star Wars better. And it's a big galaxy, and yeah, you can have retired bounty hunters who just want to walk around town bowing to people and accepting fruit, even if he's not cut out for it. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for the great podcast, and I will talk with you later. Um, I would say the version of Boba Fett that we have gotten in Mandalorian Season 2 and the Book of Boba Fett is my favorite portrayal of Boba Fett thus far. Like just sitting here like i i love boba fett in the original trilogy but it was always because he looked cool and when i was a kid i was like damn that is a cool looking character and then you know it sort of went from there but like this version of the character is definitely my favorite and that's part of the reason the detours from his character bummed me out so much was because i was liking it so much and i like what they're doing with him. The other thing I got to say is speaking of looking cool, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm sort of alone in this, but I think the redesign of Boba Fett for Mandalorian and book of Boba Fett with the black robe underneath and the repainted armor is fucking sick. I love it. Mm -hmm. And that could have been one of those things that I hated redesigning a character whose appeal for me initially was just that he looked so cool redesigning that in any way could have been dicey what do you guys think i i think the character's like the best version we've had easily mm-hmm. like 
I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I just love, he, he's such a good guy. Like, I like that, and there's a thing of like, well, he learned that, you know, he was brought up to this bounty hunter life and stuff. That's what he was born into. And so he did work for whoever had the money. And then after he fell into the Sarlacc, he's just like, these people are idiots. Mm-hmm. Like, And I, I, I like that he is, you know, because he was so silent, you could insert whatever you wanted into that silence. But I, I feel like when you backtrack, that, that character, um, it does fit quite well like into that. And I also liked when he met Cad Bane, it really like validated the young, like the Daniel Logan Boba mm-hmm. in, in the Clone Wars. Like I, I really, sometimes I don't buy that the character's like the same character. Like, do you know what I mean? I sort of just like, even like Obi-Wan, it's sort of like, it's your McGregor Obi-Wan. And then there's Alec Guinness Obi-Wan, but I don't like click that. That's, like, I know it's the same character, but I don't... I don't know. It it doesn't... It hasn't melded to where I go, that's him older. Right. I, like, I, have, I, the, I, I have the same thing. I, okay, I have the good. exact same feeling. I get what you're saying. Thank God, because I had no way to explain it. But, um, yeah, I did find that very bonding with, the like, the Clone Wars um, Boba Fett. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was just big ups. It, 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 it was hot. I, I like... Like, I, I felt like maybe they should have given us maybe a little bit of that earlier Boba Fett as well to satisfy that. And, like, let's be honest, Hawes, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm about to give you a Mortal Kombat fatality. But what if episode five, Bryce Dallas Howard directs a flashback Boba Fett episode to the Empire era. Oh, in 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 Mando season three. No, no, in the oh. book of Boba Fett. Instead oh. of going the Din way, it was like a flashback with her directing of like his his Empire Strikes Back life. Sorry, I'm sorry. No problem, sorry. buddy. <laughs> it is no problem yeah. at all. Um, it's nothing but good things. Uh, if that is what they had done. And then, and then you work in like you would have the opportunity to work in like Bosk and oh my god buddy like all the appearances that you could fit in there I think I would be eating this show's ass so hard because I loved it so much that we would lose all our listeners they'd be like we get it <laughs> we get it um what do you think about this ver well in general like well what do you how, what are your feelings on you know as a kid growing up in the 90s at the peak of boba fett like comics and toys and all like how do you feel about this version of boba i will be honest my uh experience with boba fett was the movies mm-hmm. you know i didn't read the eu books or a lot of comics right so <clears throat> excuse me my experience with Boba Fett was the movies. And in the movies, he's like a silent, heartless bastard. Like he is a cold blooded, you know, he's about the job. He's not about talking like he's going to get the job done and he's going to get his credits. Um, 
and he has no qualms about working for a piece of shit. And it is nice and I think amazing to see his transformation, his time in the Sarlacc pit and then his time in the desert with the sand people really changed him, you know, changed him on a really basic level. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Uh, I love that he couldn't go back to the same life after that. That makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, it really, you know, it's aimed at me specifically because this entire book of Boba Fett, he is an old samurai lord. And even that last scene where they're walking through the town and everyone's bowing to him and someone throws him a fruit, you know, like that's well samurai warlord. The, He's called a daimyo. That's like, what I was going to say. The very fact that they call him a daimyo, which that that term has its roots in like feudal Japan. Yeah, that's I mean, not and I'm fine with how no on the nose it is, but it's very on the nose. And I love it. Super I'm, on the nose. Sometimes yeah, on the all, nose isn't the worst thing. All his conversations, the way he conducts himself with Fennec Shan, the way he conducts himself with the Mandalorians, his posse, you know, the discussion with the people in town. I mean, you that could have all been transplanted directly out of a Kurosawa film. And that would have been, you know, you know. Yeah, Edo period feudal Japan that would have been perfectly fine and worked. Hey, um, I might just have to dip out for a little bit and just do some bedtime stuff because Jackie's still not home. All right, let's um hear from Jim. Good evening, Hawes, Will, and the Colonel himself, Mr. Steel Saunders. Man, that was a hell of a finale, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I find I do find myself a little the, the amount of Mando we got in the finale is the amount of Mando we should have gotten in those other two episodes. If we got that amount of him, I'd have said, "Wow, we actually got a lot of the of Din Djarin in these episodes. Cool." But he took over two episodes. Oh my gosh, it was it is bananas. It's fucking bananas. That's the only, uh, that's it. I can't think of a metaphor. I've tried to think of a metaphor of what this is like. I can't, I've tried, but anyway, um, I really enjoyed the show. If I made a list of everything I liked in those five episodes, be a long list. And I find myself jaded. Like I'm, I'm resenting Mando and and Grogu and I love them. because of them doing boba dirty and it really stinks but um i think with time uh th- that will smooth over and i'm confident in a boba fett season two because of the amazing characters that they've brought to the table and how they're going to continue them they practically have to make more boba fett i mean mando seems to be like a, it was started off as a stepping stone show for bringing in all these characters and Maybe Boba can also uh, be a little bit of that. But so he hasn't done any crime. He's a crime lord, no crimes. He's like Papa Tatooine. What do you think? Do you guys think he's going to get into some actual criminal activity in the next season? And if he does, you know, maybe what would you guys, what kind of examples would you think? Or can you think of? All right, guys, ignite the green. So... It is kind of interesting that Boba's whole I don't I don't know that motivation is the, but his whole plan, right, for this season is like he wants to become the crime lord of Tatooine. Um and I don't know, ma- ma- now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it I is I was just say I think that's why they're using the term daimyo is because you know, 
I think he just wants to be the lord of the realm. I don't know that he necessarily wants to oversee all crime in the area. He does. I mean, there are a couple, several times in the series, though, where he's like, Bib Fortuna was the crime lord. I'm the crime lord now. And, yeah. you know, they refer to him and uh, uh, Finnick as a gotra, which is like a kind, like basically like a mafia family, the equivalent right. in Star Wars. Right. But, you know, now that I think about it, like, maybe it is actually kind of cooler, and I kind of dig it even more, that, like, he comes, he disposes of the previous crime lord, Bib Fortuna, and now he's like, you know what, no, like, all these crime lords that come to Tatooine, they just end up fucking everybody over, if it's... If it's Jabba, if it's Bib, if it's the Pikes or whatever, like, I want to clean this place up so it's better for folks. Now, as far as, like, what he... Obviously, he has no interest in the spice trade, right? Like, so that mm -hmm. would not be part of his dealings. Um, but I mean, there are certain things you could do you know, it's still crime oriented and not necessarily be truly evil. You know, he, maybe right. Moss Espa becomes, you know, the best place to buy black market ship parts. That's or... what I was going to say. It could be like smuggling. <clears throat> you know, he could he could have a hand in smuggling, but it not be spice that he's smuggling, which mm -hmm. I get the feeling is kind of like the equivalent of Star Wars meth. Maybe he opens a dispensary. <laughs> you know, what I mean? maybe mm -hmm. he goes a little more low key. Um, you need a Nubian hyperdrive? I've got the Nubian yeah, hyperdrive. Yeah, like it could be black market space part uh, parts. Like, you know, I think there are things that could be considered, quote unquote, you know, illegal under the New Republic's banner that Boba could be involved in that aren't necessarily like, you know, like I said, spelling Antiquities. Space. Yeah, you know, and relics, relics and shit. Like that could be Credit cool. laundering. You know, he could also sort of... Um, become something like a almost like a grief carga character sort of like a broker yeah. for bounty hunters um um you know and this is not in defense of a mafia or any sort of mafia lifestyle no condoning of violence but there are there were times in history where the mafia protected their community you know yeah they were organized crime but they made sure their people and their communities were taken care of and not messed so, with or taken advantage of. It's interesting that you bring this up because I was going to bring this something similar up, right? Like talking yeah. about the whole Japanese connection with, you know, the sort of the samurai vibe and the daimyo. Um, and I didn't realize this until I was listening to an episode of our buddy Robbo's podcast, The Top uh 47,000 47k game it's the hg 101 podcast you guys should check it out uh, and they were reviewing one of the yakuza games which you know is a uh, <clears throat> series i've become a huge fan of over the last couple of years mm -hmm. and so i'm listening to him and Robbo is explaining that like you know the yakuza's get up to some real bad shit but there's also an element of community you know when the the fukushima reactor incident happened you know uh there was a fair a lot of people that went in to help with the cleanup of that were people associated with the yakuza and this is all 
sort of off the top of my head from memory from a podcast I listened to a couple of years ago. So I may be getting things slightly wrong, but yeah, that, you know, <clears throat> they could go, you know, with, with something like that, even though like in their business dealings, the Yakuza do get up to some pretty fucked right. up shit, you know? In, and in, in the words of Fennec Shand, if not us, then who, you know, Top if band. someone, you know, Right, but like you know, we can oversee business in this town without having to turn it into a wretched hive of scum and villainy. I kind of what you know, if I had to really sit down and think of like where do I want the character of Boba Fett to go from here? I don't even necessarily know that I want him to continue on this crime lord path. What I would like would be. Boba influences Din and Din influences Boba a little bit, which I kind of feel like has happened already. But like, you know, Boba's Boba helps bring Din a little further from this like super hardcore version of being a Mandalorian, you know, like Mm -hmm. the, the children of the watch, the death watch sort of approach that Din has grown up with. And, uh, Bo and Din sort of influences Boba more towards like being a little bit more traditional of a Mandalorian or something like that. You know, I like the idea. Okay, because I feel like the role, <clears throat> excuse me, that Boba Fett is in is perfect. You have a retired bounty hunter who is in a role of a regal, majestic kind of respected leader of a community um he's kind of got this old dog feel about him right Mm -hmm. like boba fett doesn't seem like he's gonna go off solo on a bunch of adventures now you could set him up as the governor of mos espa like you could do that he could govern that place as a as a regent of some sort but like like you said quite clearly he said this life may not be suited for me i like that he grows closer to din jaren and becomes almost like an advisor, his war council. And then, uh, you know, as Din Djarin grows more powerful, he might be the high general of Mandalore. You know, Din Djarin makes him the first general that's of kind, all. Yeah, that's kind of what so I'm... So he becomes Din Djarin's council, basically, his yeah, advisor. Like, you know, in Din Djarin's group of trusted advisors, like... You know, let's, you know, because we don't really know, but let's say there is some sort of battle for Mandalore or for Mandalorian territory. I like the idea of Boba being, like you said, like a general or they would use some other term probably, but like a trusted advisor and ally of Din Djarin and Din Djarin's quest going forward. Now, if they were to do a Book of Boba Fett season two, which I hope they do, but I don't necessarily have a lot of confidence in. I so much feel like they're going to. I understand. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Like this is not me saying they shouldn't. I think they should. I don't know. Just at this point, I I am not 100% sure that they're not just going to use the character in the Mandalorian going forward. Um, regardless, I'll be getting more Boba Fett. Um, but if they were to do a season two, I don't really know because I think if they do a season two, Boba's got to get off of Tatooine. I don't know that you would want to do like, 
I loved seeing as much of Tatooine as we did, but it was also in a week. Yeah, we got it. And we're about to get more Tatooine in May when Obi-Wan starts, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that would be an important thing is moving Boba off of Tatooine for some reason, even if it's temporarily, like even if whatever happens in the story He's got to leave, you know, they got to go to Mandalore. The more I think about it, this all has to go to Mandalore. I mean, everybody's got to go to because so the empire's fallen. Mm -hmm. Who is there to oppress Mandalore at the moment? I think there's a good chance there are um, there might be imperial remnants there because we know that that's still a thing. Right. Moff Gideon. You got to imagine he's not the only one. Um, Right. But and then my point is, once that remnant is defeated, there are is not an empire's worth of reinforcements coming. Well, there's the Thrawn of it all too, right? Who seems like that. It seems like Thrawn might end up being sort of the big bad for this whole connected thing they're doing, right? With Mando and Ahsoka and Boba. I and, forgot about him to be honest. Yeah, I forgot so, that, that Ahsoka asked where he was at. Yeah, and and uh, I think that you know, he's going to be an issue. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Thrawn uh, and Gideon together, may. Let's hear a voicemail from Corey. Hey boys, it's been a while. Uh, I hope I remember this right. Halls, you haven't really had much, read much of the high Republic, uh, books. So I'm going to strongly suggest that you do so when you get the chance uh, I'm just on the audio books. Honestly, some of the best writing Star Wars has had. It's so awesome, especially the the newer stuff. And, uh, buddy, I wouldn't stress about Boba. I personally think something big is coming for your boy in the third season of Mando or a second season of his own. I put every cent that I've got on that happening. One of those two things. Look, he's also one of my favorite characters. Uh, look, and I've... I've being one of the harshest critics of Tamura initially penned to play him. I didn't like how they changed his voice and all the changes, but I'm actually so happy with him in this series. He's done such a good job. The reception of this show is interesting, eh? Uh, I generally ignore online community, as it seems, for all the praise that they give Favreau and Filoni for the Mando series. It's like they have zero faith in them for this series and just you know it's all oh disney shit the bed again or whatever nonsense it is uh but am i crazy or do you guys think otherwise anyways last episode was crazy so interesting unexpected and enjoyable so many good moments i couldn't even believe what i was seeing i think luke looked incredible just and just a, a, an incredible episode uh, there's one or two things I, would, I wasn't super keen on, and it's probably unpopular opinion, but uh, the chainmail little shirt is just so on the nose. Uh, it just t- completely took me out of the moment because, I mean, look, from a design perspective, successful Star Wars anything, you know, characters, aliens has always been the mishmash of influences spun into something completely unique that you can't really pinpoint. And, you know, that, that being said, Cad Bane, like, bugs me. He's just like Clint Eastwood with a 
you know, the Juros species, I think it is, you know, fla face just slapped on the top. I just, some of those choices that Finey makes just make me cringe sometimes, but that's just my opinion. I'm not, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. You know, I, I, otherwise I love the episode. That being said too, uh, you know, I think the live action version of Cad Bane was instantly likable for me rather than the animated version. I think the translation really works. Um, and look, I'm, I'm going to keep the bitch to a minimum, but I'm not a prequel era guy at all. But, you know, and then this show has made me like Ahsoka. So there's hope for me yet, right, guys? Uh, so that's it. Thanks again, guys, for your enthusiastic and optimistic podcast. One of the very few I listen to. Hope you guys have an awesome day, huh? <laughs> Thanks, Corey, buddy. I gotta say, my dream, Will, is to get a Star Wars tattoo from Corey. I follow him on Instagram. In fact, he sent me some pictures along with this voicemail of an incredible sleeve he's doing on somebody. We're so gonna like, have to do that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it worked because you know he's in Australia, but we'll have to go to Australia. <laughs> man, does he do, we'll do some a special? We'll do Blue Harvest Does Australia, and we'll go visit all the Aussies. <laughs> um, do shows with them. Man, does he do some incredible work, and boy, would I get a big badass Boba Fett tattoo from him. Um, so he did bring up this sort of thing that I do, like, you know, we talked about it last week, right, Will? Where I had some questions about Luke and this choice he's given Grogu and how like it didn't really seem like it made a lot of sense given the character post Return of the Jedi right you remember that whole thing yeah where I was just like yeah but like it kind of seemed like Luke shouldn't be so hardcore against attachment but then you know the more I thought about it I thought of other instances in specifically the Mandalorian, which comes from the same creative team, where I've had these questions where something didn't seem like it makes sense, and then, you know, however many episodes later, I think I we get some sort of answer, and I'm like, oh. So the example I used on the Patreon reaction I did, for instance, was, do you remember in Mando when they first established that they don't take their helmets off? Do you remember yeah. us talking and being like, how does that make sense? Because in the Clone Wars, they did it all the time. They do it all the time. And we were like, that's weird. That's a weird rule to add. And, and you know, like, why would they do that when we've seen, so you know, Sabine and Bo-Katan and Pre Vizsla and blah, 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 blah. Everybody's taking their fucking helmets off. And then a few episodes later, we find out, oh, it's because he's part of this specific covert, this specific sect of Mandalorians, very cult-like. They're sort of like the descendants of the Death Watch. They're the children of the Watch. And it all made sense. So what's to say, you know, in Mando Season 3 or Ahsoka or whenever we see Luke again, we don't get the answer to this whole attachment thing. And, like, <clears throat> they've brought these disparate lines, storylines and stuff into, together in surprising ways throughout these three seasons of live-action TV that I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? And wait to get that these answers. So, you know. Will? Yeah, I 
I think there's a there's a different way to look at it. Like, oh, well, I only say that because I was thinking about this a little while ago. You know, what if there's a different way to looking at it? Because Ahsoka's advice to Luke was just to follow your instincts. Mm-hmm. You know, and if Luke's instinct is telling him that Grogu's heart isn't in it, you know, maybe well, you yeah. need to find out if his heart is in it because. You can't make somebody a Jedi that doesn't really want to be one. No, that's true. So so you have to ask him. You know, he basically asked him, you know, what do you want to do? You know, he gave him a choice of what he what he wanted to do. And, you know, maybe he's letting Grogu's instinct guide him as well. Yeah. You know, maybe Grogu's instinct is to go back to Din. And that's what, you know, that was Luke allowing Grogu to also follow his instincts, which may be the will of the Force. But I also think... I don't know. I just always got the vibe that Luke would be the kind of guy at this point in his life that would let Grogu have both Jedi training and contact with his dad, you know? Um, I, don't, I mean, I see what you're saying. I don't think he's as confident in his Jedi knowledge right. and you as know, you think he is. Something you brought up, right, that I think could be it is his off-screen interactions with Ahsoka. Clearly, Luke has known Ahsoka for at least a little bit, and who's to say Ahsoka didn't tell him, like, hey, man, I was there for most of your your dad's fall to the dark side, and I saw it happen firsthand, and, and it was because of attachment. Who's to say that she didn't steer him back in that direction or something? That's true. But ultimately, what I'm saying is, is, Personally, I've got enough faith in what they've pulled off so far and the questions that they've raised so far that they then answered to not worry about it that much and see where it goes. I was about to say, we're not not in any danger of not seeing the end of Grogu's story anytime soon. No. no. And I think there was a question in the email earlier, something about the difference between Boba and Mando and how the stories are handled. And I will say this, the advantage of the Mandalorian is that you don't have anywhere to start from. You start fresh, and you can do anything you want. Well, <clears throat> hold on. They did have somewhere to start from. They had somewhere to start from where, as as supposedly how the story goes, they said to, hey, John Favreau, you want to do a Star Wars show? And John Favreau said, I want to do Boba Fett. And they said, ah, we're doing stuff with Boba Fett, so what if you did something else? And he said, well, what if I made a guy... Hear me out. He wears Mandalorian armor. And they said, okay, let me listen. And then guess what? He's a bounty hunter. And they said, oh, 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 hold on. (laughs) But he's not Boba Fett. But he's a guy that kind of looks like Boba Fett, but he's not Boba Fett. You know, now, there is a weird alternate timeline where Jon Favreau says to them, I want to do Boba Fett. And they said, We'd love for you to do Boba Fett. And then the story is Boba Fett and Baby Yoda. I mean, obviously things wouldn't line up one to one. I don't think you'd have the weird Children of the Watch and stuff. And not even saying I would necessarily prefer that. But there is a weird alternate timeline if that story of him saying he wanted to do Boba Fett and they wouldn't let him is correct and not just like, you know, one of those stories that creatives tell that's like, Oh, I wrote beat it in two minutes <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, um, one of the things, though, I think the benefit, like if you enjoyed the Mandalorian, but you 
like weren't as thrilled about where they took Boba Fett. Like, you don't have anywhere to start with the Mandalorian. Like like a, well, like yeah, they had a place to start from Boba Fett, but like you could go anywhere you want mm-hmm. with the story. You can make the story from any start at any point, go anywhere you want with Boba Fett. You have to start right after the Sarlacc pit. Now and then you, you have to catch is... everybody up. You you have a place you have to start from. And this is a story that fans have been playing in their heads for 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, before mm-hmm. you even put pen to paper to show it what it was. So you're, you're just never going to have – it's not a one-to-one. The Mandalorian will never have the same effect that Boba Fett does simply because it was able to come out of the box without any preconceived place it had to start. Yeah. And anywhere that it had to go. And you're 100% right about that. Now, it is weird, like, and, you know, we all, everybody operates in their own sort of social bubble, social media bubble, even including, like, what websites you read, what YouTube you watch, et cetera, et cetera. It does seem like the vibe I get after this season of Boba Fett is that Din is quite a bit more popular of a character than Boba. Yeah. Um, and I think you have to give a lot of that to the pairing of Din and Grogu, which might have something to do with how quickly they reunited them. And uh, yeah. I think it also has something to do with Pedro Pascal's, you know, primarily voice performance for Bob, uh, for Din and what a good job he does with that and the writing. I think you got to give uh, uh, props to the writing. So all it of it's is... coming together to create this mystique mm-hmm. that is Din Djarin's Mandalorian that is still functioning at its peak performance at the moment. So we will do one more voicemail and then everybody else will catch up with you next week. We're going to have time. Next week, my plan for the episode is we're going to catch up on all the Star Wars news that I have ignored because Boba's been on. So we'll From have the man, big bad Boba. Yeah, we'll have some stories to catch up on, some cool stuff, and then we'll catch up with you guys. So uh, get your emails and voicemails in, and if we didn't get to you this time, you know we'll get to you next week. So let's hear from our boy Rick, who is a massive Cad Bane fan. So I am oh interested goodness. to hear. What he has to say. Hey, uh, Hawsey and Will and uh, Mr. Saunders. How you guys doing? It's been uh, an eventful seven weeks of Star Wars television programming. And um, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, just kind of quick thoughts. It kind of feel like with the, like almost disorganized method of storytelling to me it kind of feels like when you're a kid and you just dump out all your toys on the floor and you make a story with whatever's there and uh, somewhere mixed in with your star wars stuff like a random gi joe gets thrown in there and uh, those are kind of the episodes with uh, with mando that's kind of how it felt to me um you know i kind of wish that maybe there was you know more boba in those two episodes but, you know, just taking it at face value, I had a lot of fun with this series. And, uh, Haas, uh, in your, your immediate reaction, um, thanks for, um, condolences on Cad Bane. Um, but, uh, you know, I said last week that if, um, his coming into live action, I've been saying this for a while, but him coming into live action, if that's, you know, you know, the, the step that's going to lead to his death, I was always fine with it. 
Um, so, you know, his death to me wasn't really shocking. I did kind of think, though, for a second when, when Boba's on the, um, on the ground, he pins his hand down. Cad Bane pins Boba's hand down with his blaster, and I thought he was going to shoot his hand off for a second, um, which would have been kind of cool, actually, from my perspective. And then, you know, obviously, you know, Boba would have come back and kicked his ass with that uh, Banthus toothpick, uh, his gaffy stick. Um, but either way, um, I, I do think that Cad Bane is dead. I like your theory that he could still be around because of the beeping that you heard. You know, maybe uh, Toto 360 is back on his awesome ship, um, you know, and that's kind of like his little distress beacon to come drag his body out of there. But um, I don't know. I think his death should mean something, and I think it does symbolically for Boba. Um, it was a very personal kill for him since he was talking shit about his daddy. Um, um, but, but I do have to say, all, all that said, it made me uh, really love Cad Bane that much more because of what he represents, uh, not just for Boba Fett, but for... Uh, Star Wars storytelling in general. Um, so I, I, I didn't think I could love him more, but the over-the-top kind of ridiculousness of some of those lines delivered, you know, Boba calling him a, a, a gutless killer or whatever the hell he calls him, and, you know, Cad Bane throwing jabs at him about uh, now's, now's the time when you jet back to your back-to-tank. I was like, what are you going to do, go home and cry to your mama? That's some, <laughs> that's some shit that Cad Bane says to him. Um, but I, I did love all of that. I did love, um, you know, how the show kind of wrapped up. But if I do have a question, and this is something that I've been kind of wrestling with even even now at the end of things, um, why do you think Boba had such a, uh, a connection to Tatooine? You know, he calls it home. He calls them his people. He, you know, he talks about Tatooine as if uh, it's... Um, like he's got some very long-standing relationship with it, and you know we know he's been there a couple of times in in canon and comics and stuff like that. But I, I, his motivations are still kind of in question for me, and I kind of want to know what what your guys' thoughts are on that. Um, if there is one kind of cool thing about Tatooine, uh, that's the place where uh, bitch ass Toro Calican died. And uh, Steel, let's just be frank, he doesn't live rent free in my head. He's that little caraway seed that got stuck in my teeth. Um, that I can't stop gumming every once in a while. And uh, I, he sucks. He sucked then. He sucks now. He's, I hope those pitchoys just left his ass out somewhere in the Junlin ways and uh, tattooing buzzards are, are pecking at his eyes. Uh, if anything, if the show taught me anything, is that like brutality in Star Wars is kind of cool because we saw that one pike get eaten and uh, RIP to the uh, Gamorrean guards because uh, those guys kind of ruled. Anyway, uh, I will, uh, I'll leave you guys to uh, talk with ever that and, uh, and steal. You can mourn over Toro again and, uh, Hans and Will and gang. Uh, we'll talk with you guys soon. May the force be with you. Dang. My man's taking shots at Toro and steel has had to step away. <laughs> I was about to say steel has never been so glad that he, uh, <laughs> um, had to step away. So I think ultimately the biggest reason Boba is so attached to Tatooine is his time with the Tuscans, right? That's what I was going to say. I think that yeah. was transformative. I think that was transformative and sort of learning about what is essentially native, uh, a group, a tribe of folks who has been native to Tatooine for seemingly thousands and who knows, millions of years, however long it's been since Tatooine was covered in an ocean. Um, I think that was the biggest thing that had him 
so attached to Tatooine. And, you know, I think he also spent a lot of time there working at Jabba's Palace. It was sort of his home base in a way. So, you know, I think Boba loses his dad, right? And then he hooks up with Cad Bane and gets involved in the whole bounty hunter thing. That goes Has south. never had a place to belong. No. And I think when he meets up with the Tuscans, that's like the first time he's had any semblance of a family since Django's been gone, right? Or since, you know, his brief time with the bounty hunters in Clone Wars. So, and you know how it is with having bounty hunters be your fucking family. They're like stabbing you in the back and betraying you all yeah. the time. So I think that ultimately it's mainly the Tuscan thing. <laughs> and Rick, I'm real glad, buddy, that you liked Cad Bane so much that it paid off so much for you, buddy, because I know he's your dude. And, you know, there was... Oz knows he's not dead. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. Um, you know, there was rumors. There's lots of rumors about Cad Bane for a little while there showing up in the show. And... um as the show would go on, as Book of Boba Fett would go on, I'd be like, oh man, I guess Cad Bane's not in this at all. That's a bummer. I don't want Rick to be bummed after all those rumors. And it just turned out that they um, brought him in a little too late for my taste. If anything, I could have gone for more Cad Bane throughout the season. Yeah, right. Um, so, guys, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being along for the ride through Book of Boba Fett. Man, I'm glad we got this show. Can't wait to see my buddy show up again sometime in the future. Um, listen, since he's not here to do the plugs for himself, you should follow our buddy Steel at Steel Wars. That's S-T-E-E-L-E Wars on Twitter. You should check out his YouTube. He does some wonderful reactions to the episodes. You should subscribe to his podcast. You should check him out on Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, if you want to support our show, we have one as well where we've got a show with Steel, Star Wars Year by Podcast. And you can check that out at Blue Harvest Patreon. Do you want to know the URL for that? I'm going to tell it to you right now, and it's not because I just fumbled over it and almost fucked it up right then. Patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Check out uh, Stoned Cobra. If you like our theme song, you can find them on iTunes on Spotify and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com check out the High Potion podcast if you like video games and want to hear me and our buddy Steve talking about them and we'll see you next week and like I said we got some things to catch up on Will uh, should be a good time and we'll catch up on emails and then it's not that long until Obi-Wan starts we're just about oh three months that's something they announced this week that we'll talk about a little more next week so I can't wait. Um, long live Boba Fett. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> and this has been Blue Harvest. I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>